1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're looking at two verses. Five commands from Paul. So 1 Corinthians, end of his letter, chapter 16. We're looking at verses 13 and 14. This is what we read. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Let's pray and then we'll get to work. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray that I am changing into being the man You've called me to be. That I'm growing in courage, growing in strength. That I am alert, watchful that I'm standing firm and that I'm doing these things in love and I pray that for our church. Specifically lift up fathers in the room. Help us know that our work is not done. That it's not wasted. I pray for those who have great fathers and we thank you for that blessing. I pray for those who are struggling with that relationship in their life. I pray that you comfort and strengthen them this morning. I pray that you do what only you can do. So Lord, we are eagerly waiting a word from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the, the part about jumping into the end of a letter is Paul has already written to the church 15 other chapters worth in his letter. And so we're jumping in towards the end. And so we've got to get some things settled first first and foremost is the gospel it's the gospel and so we're going to be asking for us to do some things this morning that you can only do is if you know christ apart from christ you cannot do what this verse is asking you to do and so paul in chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 says now i want to make clear to you brothers and sisters the gospel i preached to you which you received on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. You see, Jesus changes everything. And if you are going to please God in this world with the life He's given you, it's only because Jesus has changed you. And His life and His death takes the place of our sinful life and the, what we've earned because of our sin, death and separation from God, so that now we can approach God as Father because of what Christ has done on our behalf. That is the Gospel. And that is what we stand on. That's where our strength comes from. That's why we can be a people who's marked with courage. It's how we stand firm. It's how we stay alert. We want to represent the love Christ has for us to a world that is hungry to know that type of love. And so Paul, earlier in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, says this, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so for the young men and older men in the room, I just want you to think in your mind right now of the list of guys you could put right there imitating Christ that you would want to imitate. 
right? Because I think if I asked a couple of guys about a basketball person they want to emulate, I think we could have a long list of basketball players. If we want a profession of guys that we want to follow their example, I think we could come up with a long list of examples. But when it comes to imitate me as I imitate Christ, I think our examples are few and far between. And that is the challenge. The challenge for the young men and older men in the room, the fathers, the husbands, the brothers, the sons, is for you to be able to say what Paul says here, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Now, obviously, this applies to the ladies in the room, but my application is going to be geared a little bit more towards the men today. And by the way, fellas, I was going through the list of things we could do for Father's Day. If you remember, for Mother's Day, it was a little bit better setup. We had balloons, flowers, gift cards, chocolate. Thank goodness Andrew came through with some donuts today, or there might be a little revolt for, for Father's Day. I was trying to think of what type of gift card would you guys appreciate. Obviously, I, th I think we got low-maintenance men, which I appreciate in this church, right? I don't know if Starbucks is everybody's deal, but then I started thinking, maybe we could get a pack of golf balls. We could get a hammer and some tools. We could get some video games, and then I was just getting carried away. Maybe season tickets to the Bengals game, and <laughs> prices started to go up. All of that come back to here. Fellas, the challenge is for you. Because this is what I know. If a man will get after following Jesus, usually his family will follow. Heard a, it's not a, not a frightful, but a discouraging stat. Did you know one of the best, most attended services of the year is Mother's Day at church? Did you know one of the lowest attendance week at the church is Father's Day? And you want to know why I think that is? I think on Father's Day, families want to be with their father. And I think a lot of our fathers don't prioritize the worship service. May that not be said of us. May we be men who imitate Christ, who can also say, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. Not perfectly, but man, we're getting after it. And this, this is how you can do that. Five things. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to imitate Christ, do these five things. Number one, be alert. Be alert. Another way to put it is be watchful. Keep your head on a swivel. And when you go through Corinthians, man, this is a messed up city. And it led to a messed up church. I just, I just want you to hear some of their problems. Because they were not alert. They were on cruise control. Listen to what happened in the church. Number one, there were divisions. They started saying, hey, well, I'm following this guy, and you're following this guy. And divisions started to come up. Does that sound like the church today? I think so. Right? Next, not only are there divisions in the church, there's also worldliness. They're talking about worldly wisdom, going after things by better teachers than the Word of God. There was arrogance in chapter 4, there's sexual immorality, and the church was bragging about what they were doing sexually and saying, ah, it doesn't matter, God's a God of grace. Then we keep going. 
They're suing each other, taking people to court. So let's say, Jeff, you and I, we're, we're, you're backing up and you bump into my truck. I'm like, hey, man, you owe me a bunch of money, a couple thousand dollars at least for bumping into my truck. And Jeff's like, you know what, your truck's trash. I'm not paying you a dime. And I said, we'll see. And I go down to Kenton County Courthouse and I put a lawsuit against Jeff. That's what they're, they're dragging people to court, suing each other, taking advantage of each other, cheating each other in the church. They're surrounded by idols. They get in a fight over food sacrificed to idols. You can't eat that. Yes, I can. Fighting over that. They're not helping those who were hungry. Some were starving for the Lord's Supper. And then other people were getting there early for the Lord's Supper, drinking the wine and getting drunk on the wine. Like, this church is messed up. And you want to know why? Because they weren't alert. They weren't alert. They weren't paying attention what was going on and they let some really bad things sneak into the church and the same thing will happen today on a church level but also an individual level if you're not on alert things will sneak into your life and drag you away from the gospel and so just a couple of examples how do you you do this in 1 Timothy 4.16, check out what Paul tells Timothy on an individual level. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. In other words, doctrine, what you believe. Right now, I think this is important because I think a lot of us will have right answers when we say what we believe. But you want to know how somebody knows what you believe? They look at what you do. They look at your life. I know what someone believes based on what they do. You can say you love somebody, but I'll see it in how you treat that person. You can say you love Jesus, but you'll see it in how that person walks. And so Paul says, hey, keep a close watch on your life and on your teaching. Now here's my question. Are you paying close attention to your life? What you're doing day in and day out? What your heart's going after? And I think this is something that you can do on a consistent basis. Because there's seasons that people go through. Right? Marriage could consume you if you're in that season of life. Work can consume you if you're in that season of life. Sports can consume you if you're in that, spirit, in that uh, season of life. And so you've got to pay close attention because what happens is the tendency is to drift. And we're not alert. You do know that the world is not a friendly place. If you're walking with Jesus, the world is not your friend. As John put it in 1 John 2, 15 and 7, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Right? We enjoy them as gifts God's given us, but that's not what we're about. That's not what we set our hearts on. It says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world with its desires are passing away. But the person who does the will of the Father lives forever. And then we see in 1 Peter 5, 8, and now this, this shows why we should be alert. If you're walking around like there's nobody after you, you don't understand the Bible. You also don't understand how this world operates. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter's warning the church, says, be sober-minded, be watchful, right? Be alert. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You have a real enemy that will destroy your life. 
And so pay very close attention to how you're living. It's not an accident. Satan will destroy your marriage. So you better be careful on social media. You better be careful on the junk on TV. You better be careful with relationships. Satan will destroy your relationship with your kids. And so you better invest. You better pray. You better do the hard work of parenting because you only get so many years unless you keep having kids and then you get more years. <laughs> you have an enemy. I haven't, this church has an enemy. I, I think the enemy wants to keep us quiet and comfortable inside these walls. Don't touch anybody in this city. Just be quiet and be comfortable and everything will be all right. So we better be alert. It reminds me of a, a story, uh, Chernobyl, which I didn't know much about. I've started to, to look into to this. It was uh, the, one of the worst, if not the worst, nuclear disasters in history. And a reactor, reactor number four, explodes, spewing all of this radiation into the atmosphere, and they brought in these guys called liquidators. And the amazing thing is they recruited people in the army and they said, hey, listen, we got a deal for you. You can go serve two years in Afghanistan, or you can just serve two minutes cleaning off some stuff from a roof. Now, most of the guys had no idea what they were getting into. And so two minutes sounds like a pretty good deal. And so they get on their, their suits and they got their shovels and all of that stuff on there is radioactive dust and debris. The guy taking the picture, you see these white lines? That's because of radiation. They had radio controlled vehicles that wouldn't work because there was too much radiation. They had a helicopter trying to put sand on this radiation material and the helicopter stopped working because of the radiation. Obviously the guys on the roof don't make it very long. They could stay up there two minutes max, but even then, most of these guys, cancer, died from the radiation. Because they thought they were just sweeping up some material. You see, a lot of times, we approach the world with the same degree and attitude. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. I'm just going around, living my life. Who cares what I watch? Who cares what I do? Who cares what I think? If you don't keep a close watch on your life and what you believe, there are huge consequences, deadly consequences. You have an enemy. This is not, not neutral territory. We had a guy at a church once speak from behind enemy lines. Um, his plane got shot down, and he said it's an amazing thing how alert you can become when you know the enemy's looking for you. He said, I'm hiding in a tree and a squirrel stepping on a branch I could hear because I was so heightened in my alertness. Man, I, I want that to be said of us. I took a picture. We, there was a deer in our backyard. So I, I moved to Covington. We got all sorts of wildlife in our backyard. This is a deer that just chose. He comes down the path, walks down the fence line. He's sleeping. Right? And so I'm, I'm going out the front. I take a picture from the back window. I'm like... I'm going to see how close I can get to this guy. So I open the front door, walk around, get to there, and by the time I get to the side of the house, the deer's looking at me, right? It, he's not letting anybody, she's not letting anybody get 
close. Because the deer knows it's got predators. There's coyotes, there's cars, there's people. Nobody's getting close to the deer. Always on alert, even when it's tired. Can that be said of us? Can that be said of you? Are you watching what you're thinking, what you're believing, what you're doing? Hey, that's something that you should be praying about. God, help me see what's going on. Help me see when my heart starts going after things that it shouldn't go after. When I start believing something that's not true, help me line it back up to your word. you got to be alert, right? I love it. The alarms and the phones, when they go off, everybody hears it, right? It's an alertness. Man, I wish we had that spiritually, and guess what? We do. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. So be alert with what's going on with the world. So that's, that's number one. Number two, stand firm. Never adrift towards God. Always adrift away from God. There's never a drift towards holiness. There's always a drift away from holiness. You don't follow Jesus by accident. You follow Jesus by taking up your cross, denying yourself, and following him. And so you have stuff like Hebrews 2.1. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. You guys have heard the story about the girl on a float. Mom and dad were supposed to be watching. But then the reserve Navy picks her up a mile offshore because mom and dad lost track of this baby on the float, four-year-old, right? Just drifting away, away, away. You know what happens? Here, here's the crazy part. I'm right next to Mr. Fight, right? Things are good. He might be uncomfortable while I'm up in his personal space. I just take a small step. Am I close to Mr. Fight? Still pretty close, right? Keep taking steps. Am I still? Yeah. Keep taking steps. I could walk 20 steps, be outside the room. We're still pretty close. But each step I take, I'm drifting further and further away. And eventually, I won't be able to see him. And sometimes that's what happens in the church. Maybe there was a time where you loved Jesus. You were digging into the word. Your prayer life was strong. You're fasting. You're sharing people, sharing the gospel with people. But somewhere along the line, you just started drifting. You thought you were close enough but you keep drifting. Man, let today be a day you come back. You come back. The call is to stand firm. And, and I, love, I love what Paul does with this because this church was drifting all over the place. Right? So, so check this out. When they're drifting in regards to wisdom, they're saying, hey, you need to hear this teacher, you need to hear this philosophy and this theory. This is what Paul says. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God to those who are being saved. Do you see how he's anchored to the gospel? He's holding on to the gospel or standing firm in regards to idols. For to us, there is one God, the Father. All things are from him and exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him and we exist through him. And so his conclusion on food, sacrifice to idols is this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do you see how he anchors his faith? He's not drifting off to different arguments and, and different rumors. He's sticking to the gospel in regards to the Lord's Supper. No, you shouldn't starve. And no, you shouldn't get drunk on the wine. This is what you should do. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Very, very simple. He has a firm grasp on the gospel. He's not letting go. So uh, cut grass for a long time. 
with my dad, and he has these, this mower with pistol grips where, where it's holding like this, and it's a large mower. You got the Velky, the wheel behind it, and man, you're flying. You put it in sixth gear, you're cutting a ton of grass. The problem is there's always trees around with low branches, right? And so I always got stuck with going around pine trees, which are my nemesis when you're cutting the grass. You got to get under the pine tree to cut the grass, but you also can't get knocked off the mower because of the branches. Man, I'd get the Velky and we go, and I know, I know from the start, I'm going to get that pine stuff all over my arms. are going to be sticky. I also know I'm probably going to get whacked in the face a few times, right, because I'm holding on. If I let go, I'm either going into the tree or it's coming back throwing me into the tree. So either way, I'm not letting go of this mower, and I'm just going. And every time you get scratched up arms, you get sticky stuff all over you, you get whacked in the face, you lose a hat. But you want to know what I didn't do? I did not let go of the mower. That's the same thing when you're walking with Jesus. Will following Jesus cost you? Yes. If you're standing firm, it will absolutely cost you. Is it worth it? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing like holding on to Jesus, walking through whatever the world throws your way. If you want to stand firm in the faith, you have to know the faith. You have to know the gospel. And, and here's the, the funny part. Sometimes you're like, ah, I've heard about Jesus. But the gospel keeps applying to our lives. And, and what will happen is we'll, we'll start to drift and think that, well, God's only pleased with me if I do good stuff. No, God's pleased with you because Jesus is perfect and has taken your place. And we rest in that. And we keep reminding ourselves of that. And we keep applying that to our lives so that we can walk with Jesus. That is standing firm. You have to know this word. You have to know the Bible. If you don't know the truth, you'll go after anything the world throws your way. How do you know if something's true or not? You line it up to the Bible. Now listen, I'm not a roofer, but I roof some houses. And there was something that was helpful when I tried to roof some houses. It's called a chalk line. Any of you guys that have done construction recognize that blue line. Sometimes it's a white line depending on the chalk. You put that line and you know that that line is straight. So you take the next row of shingles and you line it up to that blue line. A bad roofer will say, you know what, that line doesn't matter. I'll just put these shingles on. There's a little bent. It's not too big a deal. The blue line keeps you straight. So if your shingles start to go up or down, the next shingle you put on, you line it back up to that blue line. That's exactly what the Bible does. When you hear someone speaking, whether it's a pastor or some other teacher or some news reporter or some teacher, you take what they're saying and you line it up to the chalk line, which is the Bible. This is straight. This is truth. If you want to know whether you're standing firm in the faith, line everything you believe and do in life up to this book. That's how you stand firm. Number three, be courageous. Be courageous. This is an Old Testament principle, a New Testament principle. You guys remember the story of Joshua in the Old Testament? Moses was the man. When you lead a people to a sea and God spreads the sea for you and you walk on dry land, that's a pretty cool leader. When you touch a rock and water comes from that rock, enough to give water to everybody in your community, that's a pretty cool leader. Well, Moses dies and guess who steps up? Joshua. You want to know what Moses was not able to do? Get the people into the promised land. And that becomes Joshua's task. 
four times in Joshua chapter 1, God tells them three times and the people tell them once, just be strong and courageous. Just be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. You want to know why? Because fear kept them out of the promised land. If you remember the story, Moses sent some of his boys to go look at the land, bring back a report. Twelve of them. They go, they look at the land like, man, this is awesome. This is a great land to provide for our people. And then they come back and they're like, hey, uh, the land's great, but there's giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And they spread a report of fear among the people. So the people are like, well, we can't go into the land. They're too strong. You see, there was no courage for the people. There was only fear. But then you get Joshua, and the call is to be strong and courageous. Is courage a characteristic that people would describe you? And, and I want to be careful, because I think there's a lot of courageous people that show courage in the wrong areas. I'm talking about courage to stand with the church, to stand with Jesus, to walk with him. And I'll, sh I'll show you what that courage looks like in, in just a little bit. New Testament example, um, the gospel spreading. People are already being put to death for their faith. And you have Peter and John. And they're in front of a court, the court that just put Jesus to death. And Peter and John are before them. And they realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, and they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's the key for courage. You want to know why Joshua was courageous? God says, be strong and courageous. You want to know why? He said, because I am with you. When we remember that God is with us, that will give us courage. That will give us courage. A couple nights ago, storm, bunch of lightning and thunder. Balin gets nervous. But you want to know how she got her courage? She came in, kicked me out of the bed, took my spot, stayed by mom. I had to go in with, with uh, Camden in, in a twin bed. I don't fit real well in a twin bed. But, we made, but the presence of a parent gave her courage to make it through the storm. God does that for his people. And, and you want to know what the, the crazy thing about courage is? You never know when you're going to need to display it. You never know when you're going to have to have some courage. Remember, David was delivering lunch, and he had to have courage to face a giant. Peter was hanging with his boys. There was a storm, and Jesus says, hey, come on out the boat. And he had to display courage. You never know when you're going to have to show courage. And so it's a constant reminder of standing firm, knowing God is with us. And so I shared that about Peter and John, check out what happens. But so that this does not spread any further, the court tells them and threatens them about speaking about Jesus. So they, they call for them, order them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, and then listen to their reply. The people they're talking to just put Jesus to death. Listen to the courage that they show. Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after threatening them further, they released them. Now, do you think Peter and John stopped talking because they were arrested and threatened? No. They kept talking. Why? Because they asked God for boldness and God gave them boldness. If you're going to be courageous, it's not by saying you need to man up. It's by understanding God's with you. 
And man, when you see the people of God remembering the presence of God, you'll see a people who act courageously. So you, you've got the courage. Um, to bring this down on an individual level, you're going to have to show courage in school. You're going to, and you see, the, the temptation is just to sit back. I was, I was in college, teacher was misrepresenting God, saying this was true about God, he doesn't care about this, he doesn't do and, and I had the opportunity, and listen, I'm in college, most of the students in the class were halfway asleep, the other half probably didn't care. But I remember God just convicting me, like, Ben, you can sit through this, or you can take a stand. And it's funny, the more times you sit, the easier it is to stay silent. But it's also funny how when you stand up and you move with courage, it's kind of contagious. So I said, hey, man, I don't, I don't know where you're getting that from, but that's not in the Bible. He takes the Bible and throws it at me. He said, well, then show me where it's at. Now, at that point in time, I thought, oh, my gosh, why didn't I just be quiet? But thankfully, it had a back in here where you have different verses that you can look up. I was able to look up a verse and say, I, th I think this is a better picture of who God is. Now, I didn't do too well in that class, right? It probably wasn't the, the best strategy, but I had an opportunity to take a stand. There's a fight. I've already, used, I've already shared this with you. There's a fight at our school. And students who are peacemakers, who love Jesus, who are promoting peace, they have to show courage at your workplace, at your home, in your neighborhood, in your church. We never know when, but I hope we're faithful when courage is required. Amen? So, courage, and then the thing that goes with courage is strength. Right? Courage is doing what is right. Strength is the ability to keep moving forward. And I want to be careful, this isn't rocky, it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. Not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God strengthening his people. And so I've got 2 Samuel. I've read this list to the football team because I think it's, when you hear strength, this is the examples that I think about. So check about strength. These guys are called David's Mighty Warriors. Just listen to some of their feats. These are the name, David's Warriors. Josheth, Telekomite, he wielded a spear against 800 men and killed them one at a time. Pretty tough dude. After him, Eleazar, son of Dodo, wouldn't make fun of his name, but kind of a cool name. He was among the three warriors. David had defied the Philistines, and this man kept fighting even though his sword was stuck to his hand, and the Lord brought a great victory for him that day. And then you have Beniah, son of Jehodi. He went down into a pit on a snowy day, killed a lion. He also killed an Egyptian who was an impressive man, even though the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. Beniah went down to him with a club, snatched a spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and then killed him with his own spear. And you go through these lists of warriors, and you're like, these are some bad dudes. I wouldn't want to mess with them. These are some strong guys. And I think sometimes we get that picture of strength in our heads. We're like, well, I'll never be that. Right? But I want you to see the strength you see in the New Testament. I want to see the strength we see in the followers of Jesus. And so check this out. In Acts 16, you have two guys that are spreading the gospel. They're beaten with rods. They're arrested. 
And because Peter was already delivered from prison, they're like, hey, just be careful. These guys are escape artists. We don't know how they get out. Lock them up. So they put their feet in stocks. Now listen, back in the day, I would get spankings, deservedly so, and it would hurt to sit down right after that, right? A little sting on your behind. These guys were just beaten severely with rods, and they're put in stocks in the jail, in the inner prison. And it says about midnight, they start singing hymns and praying to God. That's a picture of strength. And then a couple of chapters later, Paul, he's in Lystra, and, and there's a group of guys coming, spreading rumors about him, and they turn the crowds on Paul, and they pick up rocks and throw it at him, and they think he's dead, so they drag him out of the city and throw him outside the gates. It says that the disciples came to him, picked him up, and they walked back into the city. And then they go to the next city, preaching the gospel. And it says, after many disciples were made, they returned to Lystra to encourage the church. I don't know about you, but if I get jumped by the city, I'm probably not going back to that city. Do you see that picture of strength? And then ultimately you see the strength of Christ going to the cross, dying for our sin, and then his power from overcoming the grave. And if Jesus saves you, that same power is in you. So it's not strength because we're strong. It's a strength because our God is strong. It's not courage because we're a courageous people. It's courage because God's with us. And then I'll, I'll leave you with this. Do everything in love. Your, courageous, your courage, your strength, your alertness, standing firm in the faith should all be motivated with love. And, and you see this when he talks about food to idols. He's like, you can eat that because, you know, there are no other gods, so they can sacrifice it to whoever, but it's just food. But Paul goes, but if your brother stumbles because you're eating, stop eating. And so it's, he's standing firm in the gospel, but it's motivated out of a love for a brother and sister in Christ. And that's what this church was failing at, loving each other. And I, I compare it to, to this. If you're strong to show people how strong you are, it's kind of like a bodybuilder, right? A bodybuilder, you have all of these muscles, but they're just for show, right? They're, they're not good for much. The courage and strength Alertness that I want to see is kind of like a strong man. And so I use Mark Henry. Go ahead and put that picture up, Jason. I, I use this picture. A strong man doesn't look very strong compared to Phil Heath, seven-time Mr. Olympia. But you, you want to know what his muscles do? Move things. They move things. They're for a purpose. It's not about him. He's not going to get greased up. He's also not going to wear tight bathing suit and go flex but he's strong, bench presses 600 pounds, squats over 1,000, and it's all for a purpose. And, and you see, Paul here gives us the purpose for why we should be a courageous people, why we should be strong, and, and why we should stand firm, and why we should be alert. It should be motivated out of love. You know, there's a lot of things fathers will risk for their children to keep them safe. And it isn't it interesting what love will do? So, like, if a bunch of guys come in here, let's say there's 20 of them, I've got no shot of taking them, and it's just me and Ava, 
you want to know what? It's not going to have to be a question of, am I strong enough? Do I have enough courage? I don't have to think that way. Why? Because I love Ava and I want her to get to safety. So I'll do everything I can to keep the guys at the door. You see, that's how the church should move and operate. And, and this is what I hope. I, I hope this is one area where Redemption Church, where we have to do better. You guys have permission to speak into my life. If you see one of these areas, you're like, Ben, you weren't very courageous here. Ben, you're giving up kind of easily here. There's not much strength in that. Ben, I, I'm noticing a blind spot here. I, I don't know if you're being alert here. Ben, there's a little drift here. I, I, you got to stand firm. And, and then you say, hey, and I'm with you. I, I love you as a brother or sister in Christ. You have that permission in my life, and, and I hope I hope you give that to permission to other people in our church. Now, be very careful. If they don't give you that permission, don't speak into their lives. Ask. We love, we love pointing out faults in others. But it's sometimes hard to get the log out of our own eyes. Let's be motivated by love and push our old men and our young men to be men who are alert, to be men who stand firm, to be men who are courageous, and to be men who are strong all the while being motivated by love. That will change our community. That will change our church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who is our perfect example. And so, Lord, I pray that you help me follow him and encourage others to follow him. I pray that you protect us. Lord, only you can help us be alert and stand firm, to have courage and to move in strength. And Lord, I pray that all of that is done so that you're glorified. Pray that you save. Pray that you rescue. Pray that you open up eyes. Father, I thank you for your church. I pray that we love each other well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.